Hello, I'm Laura Furiosi, divorced mother of three, and I'm here with my mother, Lynette Galvin, with 35 years' experience in family law. You're listening to the Divorce Course Podcast. Through our candid discussions, we hope to help you through your divorce or de facto separation. We will be answering the most commonly asked questions and covering the stages and steps that you will face on your way to freedom. This is part two of the post-separation economic power and control episodes that we have been doing based on the wheel developed by Jan Glinsky from the University of Glasgow. And we're going to be talking about some of the components of that post-separation economic power and control wheel today and what the situations are, how you can protect yourself from it and what can we do moving forward. Thank you so much, Mum, for coming along again. Hello, Laura. As you do every single episode. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, everyone. Now, this is... My pleasure, really. Again, I just want to say if you are listening to this first and you haven't listened to episode the part one of this episode, please go listen to that now. I'll put it in the show notes so you can follow that along. But this uh, amazing wheel that has been developed, mum, there's a a wheel that people use in most domestic violence intervention programs called the Duluth Duluth model. The Duluth Duluth model, yeah. And we have talked about a similar model before Mm. on other episodes. You can check out those ones as well. But this is adapted basically to talk about that ongoing fear and abuse through coercion and harassment and intimidation through basically the economic way. And that Mm -hmm. seems to be a large portion of a lot of the post-separation abuse that people are suffering. Mm -hmm. They're they're being dragged to court multiple times. They're being shamed and and accused and, and being forced to spend all this money and not being supported. Now, in the last episode, we talked about manipulating institutions and abusing the court process and using the children and emotional abuse. So this episode, we're going to be talking about the abuse in the banking part of the system, coercion and threats, using harassment and intimidation and using economic abuse. So it sounds horrible. We're literally doing this because there has been a lot of uh, stories going around in the media at the moment. Some horrible things have happened uh, in America. And I'm glad that that's being brought to light to some people who maybe didn't know how bad post-separation abuse can be for people. And this is our way of supporting those people that are out there going through it, but also putting a voice out there as well to just add to the numbers of outraged people that have had enough. Absolutely. We've had enough. Yes. And there need to be consequences for coercive control. And there aren't any Mm. at the moment, really. Yes. But there will be if we keep fighting. Keep so so yeah. what, what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about some of these elements in the wheel. So it might make you feel better to know that you're not alone, that other people are also mm. going through this hell. And then we'll talk about what you can do about it. And mum, being a family lawyer of, of over 35 years experience in law, she will be able to give us some great tips, won't you, mum? Yes, I will. I <laughs> will. No pressure. Okay. <laughs> All well, right. it's interesting, Laura, to see these things being listed and named here. And I've been seeing them for 35 years in Mm. in my clients, but there wasn't a a name for it. It was just you'd sort it out for one person and the very same issues would pop up again and you didn't know why. Mm. Um, And this is it's really good to see it named Mm. because it was kind of squished down and as not relevant. And I think you've said before, I think in the narcissistic playbook episode we did, you said your ex is special, but they're not that special. There's actually nothing that hasn't been done before. And so I think this is just getting all of the horrible things that people do and putting them into a, a nice 
pie. Right. <laughs> you know, look at look at all these horrible yes. things that these they do, and it's like they use it as a tick sheet. Perhaps I don't know. I don't know how. Well, um, yes, it, it, it helps. I think when they use some of these behaviours, you can go. Oh, I see. That's what all the other abusers do as well. You're just mm. like them, and mm. it it does help you because a lot of people think their their ex is super special and super nasty, which they would be. But there are a lot of super nasty people. So, mm. yeah. and I think we also the other mental switch that I hope this will help with people is a lot of coercive control comes down to oh, you're too sensitive, or you're over dramatic. Mm. Or you're making a big deal out of this when it's not. Yes. But if you can see it written down, you know it's not, you know that you're okay. That's right. Mm. That's right. That's the very best thing you can do. It makes it objective. I'm very keen to make that into a bingo board and put it somewhere for people so they can go. So when you go, oh, no, now he's done it, oh, I can cross it off my bingo chart. Mm. And one more piece of advice that I've heard before, and I I strongly recommend you guys Mm. find this so you can listen to it properly. But before we go through those extra four wedges, was when you're going through this yourself, if if it is on this wheel, step back and pretend you're a observer, that it's not happening to you, but you're observing it happening to somebody else and go, oh, I can see right now that this person has decided to use the using emotional abuse part of the wheel and, and observe it, but not absorb it which is Mm. so patronising to say to someone, I'd say, who is going through hell of post-separation abuse. But if you can write that on your wall somewhere, observe it but don't absorb it, um, you can go, oh, look, yes, they're withholding money and not paying child support. Instead of spiralling, just go, oh, that's part of the wheel. And part of coercive control or post-separation abuse is I think that a lot of people feel they don't know what's going to happen next. Mm. Oh, my goodness, what else can they do? Uh, there's something comforting in having a list or a wheel like this that predicts what they might do and mm. and then you, you've you got that ready. So when they do do that extraordinarily awful thing you mm. never thought they would do, you go, oh, yes, but they're in that wheel. They're just oh, you doing can, that. You can think of your ex like a disease and these <laughs> are all the symptoms that you're going to have to suffer. <laughs> it's like a doctor gives you the tech chick cheat of the the yes. sheet and go, this is what you might go through. Here are some of the symptoms. Well, yes. here you go, guys. In the show notes, you can download this. Weird. So let's start, Mum. Let's talk about the, okay, okay. let's go to banking because that yep. was one I left out last time. So refusing to negotiate terms of joint financial products, using mm-hmm. other bank accounts to conceal financial resources, removing all the money from joint accounts, savings accounts, children's savings, continuing to build debt in your name mm-hmm. or joint products, or absconding and leaving her responsible for shared financial thing. Now, we actually had a listener write in, Mum, mm-hmm. and they said that they, they were they have a business together with their ex. They've been separated for a couple of years and he's racking up a tax debt, racking up all this money. So, you know, is that, is that part of the post-separation abuse? Yeah, it is. It is. It, it's diminishing the assets for division. I assume they haven't had their property settlement yet. No. And so, no. yes, they run. They can run their businesses very badly so mm. that there's just debt, no assets. Um, they're mm. all little decisions that they make. Another one that really got me and I'm hoping it doesn't happen anymore but about 10 years ago in a rural town the parties had been banking with this one bank for years and years and years she went in and on my advice and set up her own bank account uh, and got her salary and 
but because the fellow had the connections, he hoodwinked the staff into connecting him to her <gasps> her bank account. Okay. Mm. So yeah. what would you say to anyone listening and it's general advice only, what do go you to, do? Go, go somewhere else where they're not. a different bank. Yes. Different. Especially if there's a lot of money involved, they might be kind of a little bit of a special relationship. They might do favours. Mm. Um, so go to a different bank where they will not know him and you're their customer. That, that's okay. my big advice. I know it's a pain in Australia. You've got to get your 100 points and stuff, but it'll be worth it. Yeah. Okay. Mm. So that's a really good tip to hold mm. that that whole banking world mm. back. And I and I guess maybe uh, you should consider doing that in any of the uh, other big companies that you might be involved in together. Like if you're with Telstra mm. and you've got a really coercive control post-separation abuse domestic violence situation, maybe change to Optus. You're worried that they're going to cancel your plan or they're going to, you know, somehow find your numbers, etc. Of course, I forgot to mention if this any of this triggers you whatsoever, please go to 1-800-RESPECT, give them a call, or you can look on the show notes for any of the helplines and services that you can go to. So if any of this upsets you, please be aware mm-hmm. that we're going to be talking about you know, post-separation abuse and domestic violence. But okay. All right, mum. We're talking about money. So do you see a lot of the time in a separation where the abuser takes all the money? But I think sometimes you recommend that maybe you should take, take the, the money. money. Yes. My clients so, take the money. That's talk me through this. Turn the table. Yes. So often if there's been it's not necessarily financial abuse during the relationship. If one of you does one sort of the work and the other person takes care of the money, that's that's fine. But what happens is at the separation, you they they may take all of your access to all of the joint funds, so you have nothing, and that will keep you at home. They think or starve you back or just pay you back for leaving. Um, that mm. happens quite a lot. So mm. I, I say to my clients, if there's money in an account and you've got access to it, take half of it well, and you can always give it back or take all of it and you can give some back if you need to. If you know your ex has money to live on then you and you need it to set yourself up, why shouldn't it be held in your name pending property settlement mm. rather than their name? And then you're entitled to use some of that if you need to. To, for reasonable living expenses, you know, mm. nothing too fancy, but at least you're not running around with your begging begging, hat, begging bowl trying to get money from them for everything. The stress on you for that is so high. Mm. Um, and there is just always a presumption, I'm still fighting it, where when my clients take money and the other side go, and these are the women who take, the other side goes, put that money back, give that to me. No, it, it's there, it's still assets. And uh, how much do you want? Do you want some for properties? Do you want some for lawyers? Here's some. <laughs> yeah, and I think, I think it's just it's just taking the upper hand. And, again, mum's only giving general advice. Definitely yeah. always get legal advice. But but mm. it's taking because really what, what we've seen, isn't it, mum, that the, it's their controlling ex takes all the money, changes all the bank account names, and then the other person has no no money. And they're yes. at that person's mercy. And if yes. you don't have enough money to go get a lawyer or to yep. get some of that money, you're stuck in this horrible cycle. So yes. take the upper hand it's if you're doing money. It's and don't take it out of a business or a company because yeah. sometimes company money is a separate entity. General advice only. But if, if you've general advice with your mortgage, if you've got a bit of money there where you've got like a head in your mortgage or an offset account or something, mm. you can always give it back. Yeah. yeah. Right? but you might need it. 
if um, you've got a coercive controlling partner who you think, oh my goodness, that yeah. And and when it comes to property settlement and the court abuse, which we've already talked about Mm. in episode one, but if if they are sitting pretty, they've got all the money all the assets, all the control, and you're (laughs) desperate for money, you're begging for money, there's no motivation for them to settle anytime soon. And in fact, I think if if some of them, they want to keep playing, they want to keep you in the game because that's the whole point of post-separation abuse. They want to continue it. And and sometimes what they'll say is, no, no, you don't need the money. I'll tell you what, I'll pay your rent direct to the rental to, to your landlord and I'll give you this much for electricity and this much for food and this much for phone or I'll, I'll pay your company. Don't put yourself in that situation. If your lawyer, really, if your lawyer says to you that's a good deal, no, give me all of the money, give me a, a, a weekly or monthly amount, I'll mm. look after my own rental and everything. Don't don't let your controlling ex have any control over uh, your living um, afterwards if you possibly can because there's so many ways they can stitch you up by getting in with your landlord or getting in with your, you know, or not paying your um, electricity on time so you lose power, just all that threatening. And that's part of the wheel, Mum. It actually, mm. one of the consequences of this abuse is you yep. can end up with a damaged credit file. So you can Absolutely. end up with a bad credit line because mm. they have been playing silly buggers with your you know, so look, I think it just be strategic and think about things before if you haven't left. If you have left, then, you know, when it comes to banking and that kind of situation, really think about it. Okay. If you think your ex is capable of that stuff, what's the harm in changing bank accounts to a different bank? Like really, that's mm-hmm. some proactive things that you can do. Even if you don't think your ex is capable of that, it you would still be wise. Yeah, yeah, to just you're setting up your new life. I have to know. say, Mum, I'm pretty disappointed in banks if that if that kind of stuff is going on because you'd think it'd be a little bit more in secure. a country town uh, uh, where okay. there's family relationships and right. you know and yeah, okay, it, it was nerve wracking and and it can just be a mix up where they send your bank statement to their address or they change the address at the bank mm. using mm. these loopholes. They can just go, oh, I need to change my address. Mm. And and then get everything sent to them, and it, you know banks aren't infallible. Sorry, guys and girls, but yeah, yeah. And that's and that I think the word loophole using loopholes in legislation is actually mm. one of the Classic. mentions because that really explains what they do. It's a lot of loopholes. Yeah, you know, yeah, plausible deniability. Something might happen, and they go, "Oh, it wasn't me." Yes. Yeah. Um, because they were able to do something. Yeah. But if you can list out all these plausible it wasn't me situations enough of them will the court pay attention I think so I think so I I recommended in the earlier um uh episode that you could use some of these sentences as headline as um topics for paragraphs or even a headline for paragraphs Mm. um because it coercive control is usually not just one thing it's it's a combination of things over a period of time. It's a pattern of behaviour. Mm. And so all these little things that don't seem much, you know, mm. when they put them together, when you put it together in the proper role, I think the court will see it as a pattern of coercive control. Can the police do anything about post-separation abuse or do they do it's, anything? I don't think they've got the real power 
um, mm. to do it because it's so hard to prove. They talked about making post-separation abuse in in, uh, in our state, in Queensland, a crime, but it's tricky to prove it. Mm. The only good thing about it, I, I read that a policeman said the only good thing about the having it as a crime, post-separation abuse, is that usually an abuser doesn't stop and can't stop themselves post-separation. And so it's easier to gather the evidence because they keep doing the same dumb things. Whereas before separation, it's usually done at home and it's verbal and you can't always identify. But post-separation, there's a paper trail. So do you recommend documentation? I know we've done an episode on documentation. So would you just like a book and just go, oh, here we go again? Yeah, I think so. He did this. Yeah, I think so. I think, or electronically, cut and paste whatever communications into a heading. It's about like writing a contemporaneous, like a diary note at the time that it happened Mm. is something, I guess, but it's not as good as if you've got him on a text or in Mm. um, one of the parenting apps controlling, you know, or evidence of something like that. So, Uh, paper is important. Now we've talked about this before. We did have an episode up and someone wrote a comment saying, I would love to do this, but I am so overwhelmed and broken by the violence I've been through or the the post-separation abuse. I I can't do any of this. And Mm. and I think that's important to acknowledge, particularly like this lady in America has highlighted the insurmountable amount of paperwork and proceedings that she had to wade herself through, which I feel like a lot of people feel like they are going through as well. In in that instance, I think it's hard, like it, it's hard to say mm. this to someone, but I guess what, what you need to do is come up with a strategy that works for you to create a system that's going to allow you to maybe do a little bit of pre-act- pre-act- yeah. Yeah, so, pro- so that proactive work, work yeah. so that you aren't stuck you know, once once they file their thirty fifth thousandth application mm. or their thing, with trying to look back and find these things, I think that there's a tendency not to put it in your affidavits and not to tell the family report writer about it because it doesn't seem it's significant to you, but they're all little things. But I think we need to start talking about them early on about that kind of conduct very early on so that it's a little bit in your affidavit, even if it's not detailed, you can say some examples. Um, Here's an example when he did this. Here's an example. That then feeds into what the family report writer will read when they're doing a family report if you've got children, which then feeds into their recommendations, which then becomes the narrative for the court process. In other words, calling them out on it. So I... um, People save things in a different way. I mean, you're looking at someone who struggles to get the Christmas decorations out every year. I mean, and I put off and then down. (laughs) Um, So, so, um, so, so I get it when uh, paperwork and all that stuff feels overwhelming. Either Mm. store it electronically. Get a garbage bag to keep it in, and just put it. Make sure no one throws it out. Put a shoebox and label it yucky, and Mm. chuck it in there. Just something, but. But you will have, normally, there will be some paper trail as well for post-separation that can be seen. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's have a look at this, one of the other wheels, and that is coercion and threats. So Mm. coercing children to live with him to obtain Mm. child support from her, her, threatening to stop Mm -hmm. agreed payments, 
forcing yeah. her to borrow money from family, refusing to pay child support, threatening if if she reports it, and threatening to take her to court. Now that is pretty much just a whole bunch of threats. And, it it, and it's not, none of it is threatening to punch you in the face. None of it's no. threatening to kill you, but it's threats of stuff that you're going to have to face. It just sounds horrid. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why I don't like them to be able to get an uh, order that says they can pay your rent and they can pay your phone bills and they'll pay your expenses because that's what happens. They, they threaten to withhold it. They pay it a couple of days late and you know they've got control over you. Another one is threat. You know you could find us on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok. We're there waiting for you right now. If you want to get more out of The Divorce Course, all you have to do is go to The Divorce Course Podcast at Facebook or TikTok or The Divorce Course on Instagram. There we share bite-sized pieces of information and bite-sized inspiration and motivation to help you through this difficult time. Come and join our community and let us know you've joined. We'd love to see you there. Another one is to stop pay child support or paying your living expenses if you go to a lawyer. Mm. And so for a person who doesn't have anything, going to a lawyer and the gap between going to a lawyer and getting to court, is there's a risk there that you'll have no support, is what paralyzes them. So uh, what do you so, say to those people? Uh, there is in Australia a thing called urgent uh, maintenance and particularly if you go to court, you bring your application they don't have to bring any evidence much. Um, they will have it heard quite quickly later on, but they, the court will make an order usually um, for an amount straight away just until you get to court again. Then you make an interim application. Okay. Um, and one of the ways you can prove that is if you can prove, because the court has to look at normally, do you need it? Can they pay it, right? And the court, as for can they afford it, you just show the court they've been paying it for so many months anyway and, and that will quickly. Or here's a copy of a bank statement from last year. This is mm. how much money he had. Or here's That's a photo right. of his vote. Absolutely, yeah. Or <laughs> yeah. here's what we wrote and here's the letter he wrote to me saying he'd only pay it, but he'd stop paying if I went to a lawyer. And yes. now he has, yeah. Yes, also, Centrelink has some emergency arrangements as well in Australia. Okay. okay. All right. And and there is some great uh, charities that you can go to that can support you. Oh. Um, if you are really struggling, you can check out uh, the links in the show notes. But, you know, there's Beyond DV, uh, which is a great charity that helps people going mm. through this post-separation abuse situation because, yeah, you can get out, but then what do you do after you get out? So check Check them mm. out. Okay, then there's, so, and there's just the threat to take you to court, Mum. We've yeah. got one, you know, we've done some episodes on that where, you know, people are just paralysed. They're terrified. Oh, no, he's going to take me to court. I think if you educate yourself on what happens in court and what the mm. Family Law Act is, maybe you won't feel so sad, but I do feel like one of the things, maybe they've missed it on the wheel, is threatening to take you to court to take your kids off you. I think that is extreme. I've taken a lot of calls when we're fielding for our DIY divorce blueprint and the, it is the one of the main fear factors that a lot of these ladies have is that mm. he's going to take my children off me. Yeah. How can you alleviate anybody who's worrying about that at the moment? It's very rare for someone to not have any time with their children, okay? It's very rare. Uh, so that's the, the idea of an unfit mother is not even in the lexicon, okay? So if you have been a good parent, you, well, a good enough parent and you love your children and they're predominantly with me, the court's focused on the best interests of the children, 
and how can it be in their best interests to take them away from a parent who loves them? If there's, if you haven't been violent towards them, mm-hmm. then they will love you. Like you said, kids love their parents usually no matter what, yeah. you know. Can you tell the listeners the Vegemite story? Because that made like everybody I know feel better about, you know, oh, I, I'm not the best mother. I, like sometimes I give them Maccas for dinner. <laughs> and Vegemite um, you know, Worrying that that's going to be in an affidavit. So you, there was a time when you were in court and it was their argument was the Vegemite sandwich argument. Can you share that with everyone who's listening so that they can feel better if they're worried? You don't remember it? Okay. Is that one is that one where the court thought it wasn't tell me, remind me no, again. So, so you said oh, uh, unless I've imagined it, which would be hilarious. Um, <laughs> you said that the their argument was that the, the child had had Vegemite sandwiches every day for dinner for the last two weeks. Yeah. And that I don't know, that it was uh bad parenting. She was an yeah. unfit mother. Obviously whoever it was was stressed beyond belief. And it's like yeah, eat a Vegemite sandwich because you won't eat your dinner or whatever. And the judge basically said it doesn't matter. I don't care what they eat as long as they're eating and that yes. that the parent, the child is happy and is loved. Is, do you remember yes, that? Yes, yes, yep. yep, yep. I was yep. mixing it up with the story from Christopher Green who, um, that I, I mean, I remember that story with the Vegemite sandwiches, but um, he had someone write in about his, their toddler and said, all my child will eat are peanut butter sandwiches. And mm. uh, Chris, uh, Christopher Green, Dr. Green, very well-known expert, wrote back and said, sounds normal to me. <laughs> <laughs> but what, did the, what was the judge's words? Do you remember? So that, that everyone can feel a little bit less stressed. I think about he was saying, saying that no wonder when they're so stressed, but she mm. is feeding the children. And, yeah. you know, kids do go on things where that's what they want. There's yeah. no harm in it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So don't. That I I feel like sometimes I'm going to take you to court. I'm going to take your kids off you. You're going to that mm. threat. That that seems to be a, a common thread. Should be on the wheel. But be, be aware that you know, like Mum's just said, it's highly unlikely to happen. Highly mm. unlikely. Okay. What about uh, using harassment and intimidation? And this is again, damaging joint property. Yes. Intimidating and harassing family and friends who are financially supporting her, mm-hmm. uh, using threatening physical force to get money from her, stalking or forcing her to change her location, her name, her employment, education. Now, that can be quite damaging to you economically and the kids, and yep. the kids if you have to keep changing places and spaces. So, well, what, what can well, people luckily, do? Stalking, yes. stalking is a criminal offence. Hooray. And, uh, hooray. And the police seem to recognise that, at least in Queensland, the stalking is a criminal offence. I believe it is most of the place, most of Australia. Mm. Um, so uh, that's one thing, but it's hard to identify. But thank goodness for these camera phones and everyone's got a camera on them all the time. So take yeah. the photos, get the proof. Yeah. Um, but, yes, they do. This is um, the joint property uh, is often happens if you leave them in the house, if they refuse to go. Or um, I told you the story about the fellow who was ordered to give the car to his wife, so he took the motor out and just gave her the car without the motor. Mm. Um, that didn't end well for him in court, I have to tell you. Yeah, just I think when people, if you have to move, if you've moved because the other person won't leave the house or if because of violence, um, I always say the first place you go to might not be where you end up permanently, but you should go somewhere where there's perhaps some security, a gated community, just somewhere where they don't feel comfortable hanging around 
Um, mm. Another way is to get on a main road or a cul-de-sac where they can't really park without being obvious. Um, mm. Yeah, but I see it a lot. And and the intimidating and harassment, it's just that constant, like you said, uh, what can we do today to be annoying? And And of themselves, each of them sounds such minor things. But mm. over time, especially in the shadow of court, it becomes like you feel like you're being watched for every single thing you do, every single move you make. Mm. And I think that coercive control, the whole point of it is it is little subtle things that over time build up and yeah. it's little can just be a, a, a move that they or a face that they always pull when they're about to do something horrible to you mm. and that's all they have to do. And I think the fact that these all these little things are put into this one big pie, it's basically to show, you know, that's what it is. It's, mm. it's and I think, I think, we're all much more educated than we were, oh, you know, years yeah. ago. And I think a lot of the, this kind of abuse, this post-separation. Under the radar kind of abuse. Yep. It's, it's done by well-educated men, maybe high up, uh, who yeah, know sure. the law and are just kind of trying to stay yeah. in the loopholes. It's usually done by extremely confident men, whether or not they've got any right to be that confident <laughs> or not, justification, um, and sometimes people who've been very successful in business. So they mm. set about this uh, just flying under the radar, they think, and just not doing anything wrong. But it's wonderful. Our bench, the judges of being educated and identifying the violence, identifying it as coercive control. And mm. um, and one judge I heard only two weeks ago say, and it's a pattern, and so your, your evidence will need to set out that pattern. Hey, the wheel, we can use the wheel to just mm. start to give us some tips. A lot of people block out the things that have been happening to them, don't they? I think um, so. And maybe I blocked out that Veggie might sandwich story. <laughs> but no, um, it is, it's a, if a lot of victim survivors uh, mm. who have gone through abuse or have lived a horrible uh, existence, mm. one of the things that I've, I've read about is that their, their brain uses, uh, to, to survive mm. blocks it off and pops it away so that mm. they don't think about it anymore because they have to keep surviving yes. and thinking about what's happened to them isn't going to help them survive in that situation it is once you are outside of that it's kind um it's kind of been likened to uh you know a soldier being in war in a war zone they're mm. fine they're getting through it they're dealing with it then they come home they're out of the danger that's when it all starts to come back and they have to unpack it so mm. that if you're using this list, you can go through it and then it may re- jog your memory. Yes. And you might go, that's right. I remember mm. that. Oh, I'd forgotten that. And ask your family and friends because a lot of they will have been absorbing it more um, because you're there taking the sort of metaphorical punches. Now, it did mention in there, you know, going to family to stop mm. them from giving her money oh, because yes. obviously that is where other people will go if they can't get their own money or money from their ex yeah. that's rightly theirs. So going to family and friends. So, so you could be proactive about that. If you think your ex is going to be this type of person, you need to get to your family and friends first, right? You do, you do. Sometimes the first call a person will make when they, a coercive person will make once their spouse has left them is to get to their mother, father, brothers, sisters, whatever support they've got, spin the sob story, usually use the crazy thing. Mm. I don't know what's got it. She just went crazy. It must be her period, mm. <laughs> you know, something mm. like And then by the time you get to see your friends because you're shocked yourself about leaving, yeah. You sort yeah. yourself out enough to go and talk to your family. They've already been seduced by this 
weirdo's um, uh, spin because they probably, throughout the marriage, here's what happened to me, uh, mm. my mother said, why didn't you ever say something? Basically she's saying, I don't believe you, you never said anything. That took away that support for me because yeah. you don't say something. You're trying to keep a marriage together, you're covering up for them. Sometimes you don't identify coercive control for what it is. And mm. you might have, uh, as in my generation, I think um, it was like you ever raise a hand to me, I'm out. That was what we used to say. But you can, however, be abusive. You can, however, take my car. You can give me my, my money. money. Yes. Yeah, yeah. All of that. That was never recognised as abuse. And even as recently as probably, well, oh, probably in the last eight, nine years, you've heard someone say, where are the bruises? So I think uh, one of the things that happens if in a coercive control relationship is that you become isolated from your friends, your family. Yeah. And I heard just the other day, one of the best things you can do is try, even before you've left, if you realize you're in this situation, try and reach out secretly and privately to your friends and family that you know aren't going to go back to your ex and and, and see if you can r- explain what you're going through and, and apologize if you've you know, stonewalled them or whatever, because usually your ex, uh, the ex says bad things about them and makes you think that they don't like you or whatever it is that they've done to cause that isolation. Try and rebuild those relationships. Even if after you've left, try and rebuild them because that's the support and the coercive control person knows that's your best support. So you need to get that support back. Um, but of course, if it's toxic and they're, and they're still supporting your ex, it is the worst place to go <laughs> so yeah. don't, yes. remember the line this is what I used mm. to family and friends who would try to influence me perhaps to go back I would be I would say look I've got just enough energy to get the kids through this and to get me through this I don't have enough energy to help you process it so let me know when you've come to grips with it and then I didn't talk to those people for a while until they came around so, and they do, yeah. and I and you're right. It is. It, there is seems to be this weird stigma with leaving your ex, with leaving your husband, or or yeah. you know any of that. People just feel like, don't want to talk about that. They think I don't it's contagious. Yeah. Oh, I might end up doing it. Don't talk to me. So yeah. I think you've just yeah. got to brace yourself and find your fierce friends, as we always say, Mum. Your and, strong friends, and we're there for you. Yeah. Um, and you know, we're here to tell you you'll get through it. And yeah. society is improving and hopefully our children will recognise any of these patterns before they get tangled mm. up with people. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. So this this wheel does explains a whole barrage of things that your ex can be doing to you in the post-separation world through the economic power and control. Yeah. We've discussed it in the other episode as well as this one. If you are struggling with any of that, I encourage you to look at our other episodes on domestic violence or post-separation abuse and coercive control because I feel like the more education you have, the better you are at not being as fearful of their threats because really a lot of it comes down to the threat, the fear of the threat, the threat that they're doing it. And then there's also the undoing things they've done. Constantly, constantly. Constantly undoing, constantly defending. There is that element as well. So really if you can be proactive and plan ahead and make sure you're, you're aware of these things that can occur then there's some things that you won't have to undo because you've foreseen it 
already. And I know that's wishful thinking, but I'm sure that somebody out there is going to listen to this and I hope that it's going to make a difference for them because I cannot imagine what it must be like to have all of that happening to you all at once whilst going through the court system, whilst getting uh, settled in your new life after leaving your ex. It's it, and and the one thing that makes me so angry, mother, is yeah. the the understanding that that the, the, the everyone seems to think that once you leave, then it's better, and and it is and it does get better, but it is a bit of a struggle, and I think it's a false narrative that they're selling. Like Disney sold us to marry a prince and run away and live happily ever after. Yeah, the new Disney movie that's fake selling. <laughs> It's not a Disney movie, but the new fake story is leave your domestic violent partner or leave your coercive control partner and live happily ever after. It isn't like that. You've got to untangle it. You've got to get through this. But if Mm. you can be proactive, you'll Mm. get through it quicker. Yeah, I agree. I think that's right. I mean, just think, only in the 50s in Australia, it was legal for a man to beat his wife and the police would be yep. And the police would not get involved. They would call it domestic. It's a domestic, so they didn't go. And it was illegal for a woman to testify against her husband. And so there was no evidence. Yes. So if you look at it in that time frame, right, the the domestic, are you frozen on screen or is your jaw just hanging open? What the, oh, my yes. God. So oh, so God. they used to, yes, so um, it was considered p- appropriate discipline of, of your wife. Um, you put them over the knee and, and smack their bums or whatever it was. So it's really only been recently, like in Queensland, the Domestic Violence Act was 1989, I think, 1989, oh, maybe 1983, yeah, about 1989. It's now 2012 one. But before that, there was none. Mm. And all we had was the court could make an order, the family court could make an order that the husband usually be of good behaviour and not commit, you know, violence or harass. But the police didn't know what to do with that because that was Commonwealth government making a law, Commonwealth court making a law, and the state government didn't know how to how to action it. Mm. Uh, so this, it really has changed um, and now this is just the last bit. Our daughters, our daughters and our granddaughters are going to have a much better life because of us speaking out, um, because of everyone who speaks out so that these studies can be done, so that we can uh, we can educate our police who are a bit slow at learning sometimes, <laughs> but mm. the courts are starting to be aware. Yeah, it will mm. it'll, it'll, change. It doesn't take... it's going to take a long time and it may be intergenerational, but, hey, look at us and your daughters will be fierce, fierce women. Well, you know what? At least Mm. we can testify (laughs) (laughs) for ex-husbands. Holy moly. Yeah, Mm. but I think you're I can see that you pointed out that is 70 years ago. Yes. So um, hopefully things Before I was born, I might add. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I think... If anybody out there right now is going through this post-separation hell, you can print this wheel out, put it in your diary, remind yourself, oh, this is just their silly behaviour. Yes. Um, And, yes, it may suck, but most of these things, they can only really get away with it once and you can kind of stop it, like put a Sealy's no gap over the top of it and move on to your next one. And some of them you can act in advance. 
Yes. And like yeah. getting the bank in your own bank account, except yeah. making getting your own accountant. Yeah. Or yes. you know, just definitely getting control. Mm. Yeah. And and I think the the it, like you always describe it, Mum. It's like an octopus wrapped around your arm. Yeah. Yep. And you're slowly peeling them off one tentacle one after tentacle another at a time. Yeah. And then eventually you will be free. And I don't want anyone to give up hope because no. there there is hope, and you can get through this, and you will get through this. So thank you, Mum, for being there and giving us You're your wonderful welcome. wisdom. Okay. All right. Thank you, everyone. Bye, everyone. We'll see you next time. All the best. Bye. Bye. If you found this podcast helpful, we'd love it if you could rate, review and subscribe. By doing so, you are spreading the word to help someone else just like you. Lynn would like to remind you that this podcast is general advice only and you should always get legal advice in relation to your particular situation. And remember that the Australian laws may have changed since recording.